Today's scripture is John 8, verses 12 through 30. I am the light of the world. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where's your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. My name is Pasquale Thetford. I serve as a deacon here at East Point Church. Um, if you're visiting with us for the first time or if you're joining us online, we want to say welcome. I pray, I hope your morning has been as good as mine this morning. And so as we, we get into John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30, Jesus here again is, is declaring himself in what we find as another one of the, the great I am statements. Jesus is declaring that he is the light of the world. This, uh, this, this follows his previous declarations of being the bread of life, uh, water for those that are thirsty. He's continuing to reveal himself as all that we would need. And so as we think of light, we all know light is, is very important. Yet, yet and still, we, we all uh, tend to take light for granted unless, you know, until it's taken away. I can remember even being here at East Point Church, we had a service here with no lights. Many of you may, may remember that. And as neat as that was, and we got Wendell taking some great pictures, I'm sure most of us wouldn't want to come here every week with no lights on, especially in the summertime. So, 
So when we think of light, light is very important. There's been many times in my life when it would have been helpful if I had had a light. Uh, one, of the, one of the times I remember was in 2005. Uh, I was in college. I was on a, a weekend retreat with some student athletes from Tuskegee University, uh, as well as uh, schools from throughout the Southeast. Uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes sponsored this weekend retreat in Tennessee. We're up in these, you know, mountains or hillsides or whatever, and there's log cabins and there's horseback riding and all this stuff that I had never done before. And the first night, we get to our cabin, we get settled, and I leave the cabin. Uh, I don't know if I forgot my bag or needed to use the restroom, something. I, I leave the cabin. And on the way back, I get this weird, this, this sick feeling, I might not make it back to the cabin. It, 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 was, it was very dark, like barely could put, you know, you know, see your steps type of dark. And I remember the list that they sent us preparing for this trip on the list in bold letters, bring a light. And I was like, you know, you don't need a light. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm from the country. I can handle this. Like, I don't need a light. And sure enough, you know, I needed a light. And so I made it back to what I thought was the cabin for all of the Tuskegee student athletes. The next morning, I, I, I'm arose, I'm, I'm awakened f- through the, the sounds and the roaring of Derek Moore, the football chaplain for the Georgia Tech football team. And if you haven't seen him, you can YouTube him. He's, he's worth watching. And so he's, you know, yelling and, and screaming and waking up the Georgia Tech football team. And I wake up out of my bunk and I look around and it's all Georgia Tech football players. I mean, Calvin Johnson's in there. Like, it's, you know, it's all of them in there. And I'm sitting here thinking, I don't see a crimson and gold shirt nowhere to be found. How in the world did I end up in the wrong cabin? I needed a light. I needed a light. So you see, I I was close. If, If I had counted my steps right, I was just one cabin short of the Tuskegee cabin. But I, you know, I needed a light. Not having a light caused me to miss my destination. Walking in darkness didn't help me get where I wanted to be. This morning, Jesus offers light to those who are walking in darkness. My hope this morning is that we would see him as the light of the world, and we would walk in that light. As we look through the scriptures, light is incredibly important in the Bible as well. When we read Genesis and the account of creation, we see the role that light plays. We look at Genesis chapter 1. Verses uh, 1 through, through 5, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. What's interesting, what you, what you, what you see uh, that's not being said, I think, communicates Um, something uh, important. It doesn't say that God created darkness. It says that he created heaven and earth and the darkness was there. That's because darkness is merely the absence of light. Right? Right, Pastor Phil? Right? Amen? That's right. That's right. You don't have to create darkness. You just have to take away light. And if you need to get in the weeds with all of that, Pastor Phil, he he can help you out with that. Right, 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 right. So the Bible... 
Uh, the Bible also doesn't refer to darkness as good. It says that God saw the light and saw that the light was good. Light is helpful. Light, light exposes. Light reveals. Nothing can hide in the light. Darkness, on the other hand, keeps things hidden. Now, when Jesus, when he's referring to himself as the light of the world, he's not referring to sun or the moon or the stars as natural light. He's referring to himself as the light of the world in a spiritual sense. We see that in, in John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the, and, the light, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Jesus was proclaiming in the temple and making known to everyone there what would be later penned by John, that he was the light that leads to life. When Jesus was born, light was used to guide those to him as they walked through the darkness. We see that in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose was before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. When Jesus was born, light had to guide those to him because the world was full of darkness. The darkness of sin blinded the world. The darkness of sin, it, it renders our lives without form and void. Naturally, we can have the sun, the moon, the stars, but in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in the way that we walk, in the way that we talk, in the way that we treat one another, without the light of Christ, we are without form and void. When God sent Jesus to the world, he essentially turned on the lights. Jesus' ministry shined brightly and pointed people to the reality of the kingdom of God and the light that comes from following Jesus. Jesus came as light for those in darkness, those that find themselves wandering aimlessly in life, suffering from the effects of sin in this world, suffering from the effects of their own sin, he came for those who love darkness to show them how great it is to have the light of Christ in their lives. John 3 and 19 states it clearly for us when it says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. And so Jesus in, in the temple is continuing from where we were last week. He's, he's teaching, and the Pharisees are there again. They, they have their, their part to play in, in seeking to, to turn out Jesus' light. And so he's shown us, even before, that he's the bread for those that are, that are hungry. He's shown us that he's the water for those that are thirsty. And this morning, he declares that he's light for those that are in darkness. Jesus in making this declaration of that he's the light of the world gives an encouraging promise. In the latter half of verse 12, Jesus says that those that follow him will not walk in darkness. That should be an encouragement to us this morning because it means that if we follow Christ, he won't leave us in the dark as to what he is doing in this world. This carries the promise that if you follow him, you, you are saying goodbye to your old life of walking around aimlessly. You have a new purpose. Your life now has purpose. It's not without form and void. If you're following Christ, you're walking in his light. 
you're moving in a, in, the, in the direction you should go. And what Jesus is saying here essentially is that you cannot walk in darkness and follow Jesus at the same time. It's impossible because he's light. You can't, can't have light and darkness in, in the same space. We just sang the song this morning, walk in the light, the beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy shine bright. I love that song. I just remember being a little kid in church. I just, I just like the way they sung it. It just, it just sounded good. It's like, man, they had this harmony and the tune. I don't know. I, I love that song. But now actually coming to understand what that means, the dew drops of mercy shine bright. Man. Let me keep going. Amen. When you follow Christ, his light shines all around you. That's the point of it. You're never in the dark when you're with, with Christ. That's the good news of, of knowing him. There's another side to this I think we, we need to address. When we're walking with Christ and he's shining the light of his gospel in our hearts, sometimes we see some things that are, that are, that are uncomfortable. We see sin. And so as, as Christ is shining his light in our lives, we see there's some things we need to change. Just like we saw last week with the woman caught in adultery. He shines the light of his gospel and his purpose in her heart. But he also says, go and sin no more. And so there's this process of sanctification that needs to happen for us as, as believers as we walk in the light. And so there's a, there's a, there's a clear distinction we need to be sure we don't miss between conviction and condemnation. When the Spirit br brings conviction in our lives, we run to Jesus because he's the light. Our enemy, our, our adversary, Satan, wants to, wants to convince you that you're condemned. When you see sin, see, that's evidence that you're not in him. But we ought to understand the differences between conviction and condemnation. When God brings conviction in our lives, we hold it up to the light because we walk with Christ. When we follow Christ, we might find some terrible things, but, but, but because of Christ, we see it as sin. Whereas before, we wouldn't have noticed it at all, or it would have been something we would cherish. And so while that may be uncomfortable as we walk through this life, it's good news because it means that now we can see. We can actually see these things for what they are, and we're not deceived and walking in darkness. So as we continue to walk through this passage this morning, we find that the Pharisees, they, they just can't get enough of Jesus. You, you look at the passage we went through last week. That should have, they should have just stopped and said, okay, hey, we're we going to leave this guy alone. He's, he's cutting us off at every, at every pass. But no, they are bent on turning out the light of Christ. They are bent on finding a reason to cancel Jesus. And so as we continue to walk through this passage, I think there are three aspects of the light of Christ that we can find in Jesus' responses to these Pharisees. These three aspects are the light of Jesus is self-evident. The light of Jesus is piercing and prophetic. And the light of Jesus can't be defeated. That's the light of Jesus is self-evident. The light of Jesus is piercing and prophetic. And the light of Jesus can't be defeated. So again, Jesus is teaching in the temple and the Pharisees just will not let him teach. I can imagine Jesus declares himself as the light of the world, and they, they walk out. Whoa, 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 wait, Jesus, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're just one man. You can't testify to yourself that you're the light of the world. 
you know the law. We, we need two witnesses. We, where's your other witness? Where's, and so they're, they're interrupting him, attempting to turn out, turn off his light, to, 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 to discredit what he's doing. And Jesus' response from Jesus' response to these Pharisees sets him apart from mankind. As we, we see in, in Numbers 35, this is where the Pharisees are appealing to the law. Numbers 35 and verse 30, it says, If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. And so it was built into their culture to have multiple witnesses. And so again, they're trying to trap Jesus. But what you find here and what we learn about Jesus in this passage is that God testifies to who Jesus is. You might say that God seconds the motion of Jesus. You can't get God the Father without Jesus, and you can't get Jesus the Son without God the Father. It's important for us to, to make, that, uh, make that point this morning because there are many that would like to separate the two. Those that only want God the Father because they don't like what Jesus said. And some that, that want Jesus because they don't like what we see about God the Father, particularly throughout the Old Testament. But when we, when we see Jesus, they're, they're united. They're saying the same thing about one another. And it can't be separated. We see that, uh, that, that the Father is approving and giving his testimony of Jesus at Jesus' baptism. Something we, we might remember in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, where it says, And behold, a voice from, from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Here it is, clearly God is giving witness to who Jesus is. And so you see, light is self-evident. Life, uh, light doesn't need any apologists. Light is light. We know what it's used for. We can get into the science and de- describe what, what makes up light and, you know, the, the protons and neutrons and all this kind of stuff. But when you turn on a light, everybody knows that's a light and we know what it's here to do. It's here to shine. It's here to get rid of darkness. And so we testify. Uh, we testify to what Jesus has said. This is why it's important to, to understand that life, light is self-evident because if humans, if, if, if we were to, to co-testify to what Jesus is, then it wouldn't be God's word. It'd be God's word plus the word of whomever else said it. Because, but because Jesus is sent from the Father, it's self-evident. Like, I, I alone can testify to the fact that I am the light of the world because I'm different from you. I'm, I'm from a different world. I, I, I come from heaven. This is the one, I'm the one that have been prophesied to, be, to have been sent throughout the ages. And so this is the Pharisees, and you think about it, what they, what they really wanted to do was, was to get some of the shine. They were like, okay, Jesus, we, you know, if you want to be the light of the world, you got to make sure we, you know, we got to roll with you because we got the law, we got all the commandments, we understand how these things work. Just, just let us show you how to do this. And Jesus, he, he didn't need a, he, didn't, he wasn't looking for co-stars. When Jesus came on the scene in the book of, uh, in John chapter 1, it said that he had a hype man. That hype man was John. It said that John came to testify about the light. John wasn't the light. He came to testify about the light. But the Pharisees, they wanted Jesus to be in the background. They wanted, the, they wanted center stage. They wanted it to be about them. 
And so we see that the Pharisees, they're, they're just not going to give up. They're going to continue to mock and ask Jesus these questions that are irrelevant. And what Jesus does, what's amazing here, is that he uses them to actually bring out his point. Unbeknownst to the Pharisees, he's using them to illustrate and to teach even further the point that he is the light of the world. And this brings us to our second aspect of Jesus' light, and that's that the light of Jesus is piercing and prophetic. We look through uh, verses 21 through 24, they continue to mock and question Jesus. So looking through those verses again, it says, So he said to them again, I'm going, going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. The Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And so when we think of the purpose of lights, one of the benefits of, of having light is that it can help you to see further than you would normally see without the light. This is the why we have uh, headlights in all of our cars and trucks to help us to see down the road so we don't run into stuff the whole time we're driving. And so with, with Jesus, as he's dealing with these Pharisees, I, I like to think of it as Jesus turning on the high beams of heaven to shine down the light of eternity to tell them, to give them warning, if you continue down this path, I know what you're trying to do. If you continue down this path, you're going to die in your sin, and it's, gonna, it's not going to be good for you. He pierces their hearts, and by diagnosing their sin problem, he helps us all this morning understand what our main sin issue is. He declares that he will go away, and when the Pharisees will seek him, this seeking is not a seeking unto repentance. This seeking is, is, is a regretful seeking. It's, it's one seeking relief from torment because they would know that Christ was, was who he said he was, and they didn't listen. They didn't heed his voice. And so there we see in, in verse 21 that he refers to their sin as singular, and then you get into verse 24, he refers to their sins as plural. What Jesus is teaching us in these verses is that unless you believe that, that I am, unless you believe that I am the bread of life, unless you believe that I am the living water, unless you believe that I am the light of the world, you will die in your sin. Church, this is, this is important. If you don't hear anything else this morning, this is worth listening to. Not believing in Christ Jesus is a sin from which all sins spring from. Unbelief in what Jesus has said is the sin of sins. If you want to know what sin is this morning, it's not believing in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It's not believing in his testimony. When we think of the Pharisees, oftentimes they're, they're easy kind of punching bag for us. They're, they're Jesus' enemy. We can all kind of poke jabs and poke fun at how they uh, antagonized Jesus or they, they always sought to, to discredit him at, at every turn. But the question I have for you is, what about you this morning? Are you in agreement with the Pharisees that the testimony of Jesus is not true? Do you hear the words of Christ and in your heart say, that's not true? 
it don't, it don't take all that. I, I know Jesus was a good man. I, I know he died on the cross, but I don't know about going all the way with it. You may not never say that, you know, outwardly. You wouldn't necessarily say that to God even. But as you think of your life and how you live your life, are you living in such a way that says, open and outwardly, Christ's testimony is not true? I don't believe it. That's, that's what sin is. Sin is here, you, not believing what Christ has said, not believing the testimony that God has laid out before us and making the decision. That's not true, so I'm going to do this. That's not true, I'm going to take this. I'm going to steal this. That's not true, I'm going to treat this person this way. That, that's not true, I'm going to kill this person because I'm angry. That's not true, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. That's, that's what sin is. And what he's laying out for the Pharisees is, is if you continue down this path, again, he's, he's using those high beams of heaven to show us if you continue down this path, this is what you're looking forward to. And so my... My encouragement to you this morning, if you haven't uh, placed your dependence and your hope and your trust in Christ this morning, that you would, you would do that today. Do it now. Don't come to this church week after week, month after month, year after year, and hear that Christ is the bread of life. Christ is my all in all. We hear each week who and what Christ is and continue to not believe in it. Unfortunately, if you continue down this path, you will die in your sins, and it will not, it will be terrible. You will face not just Jesus, you will face God. That's the point he made earlier. When you reject Jesus and what he's saying, you also reject the Father. And when I think about that, you think about creation, you're rejecting the very, very people that created life, that created everything. And they're coming before you, laying it out, saying, look, we know how this thing works. We set out a plan for you, for you to come and enjoy what we've created. Don't continue to go down this path. And if you continue to go down that path and die in your sins, what do, what do you think they're left to do? The justice of God would be for them to pour out wrath because of your disobedience. We would do that on much lesser charges. People cut us off on the interstate and we want to run them down. How much more the God of heaven, when we continue to live in, in sinful and will, willing uh, disobedience. And so what Jesus is doing with the Pharisees as they continue to joke and, and, and ask questions and, and try to detract from what he's, he's using the folly of the Pharisees to show everybody else in the temple, this is what darkness looks like. This, you see, this is what darkness is. Jesus is, is the one who uh, whom God has sent, and he's, he's proclaiming to everyone in the temple, I am the light of the world. And the Pharisees that you see before me, they don't believe that. The Pharisees were blind, and Jesus diagnosed them. He diagnosed them perfectly. If you look at verse 15, he states that the Pharisees judged by the flesh. In verse 23, the Pharisees are of this world. Verse 19, they they know neither Jesus nor the Father. They, they mock and joke at Jesus with, with these questions. Jesus at every turn is, is showing and proving that they're blind and, they're, and that they live in darkness. And they must be blind. There's, there's no other way you can live. You can, you can have encounters with Jesus and all of this light and, and continue to not see it. 
it must mean that you're blind. And so in verse 28, Jesus has another, another drop-the-mic moment when he declares his work on the cross. And this leads us to the third and what I think uh, the third aspect of the light of Christ we can find in this passage is that the light of Christ can't be defeated. In, G- in verse 28, Jesus proclaims, proclaims his victory. When the light of the world is lifted up, you will know that I am he, the one promised to come from the days of old. He's telling the, the Pharisees, when you see me lifted up, you know that the Father is with me and he never leaves me. I always do what is pleasing to him. How can Jesus say that? Because light is good. We saw that in Genesis 1. The Father saw the light and said that the light is good. So if light is good, the sun, moon, stars, if that's good, and Jesus is the light of the world, then we'd have to say that Jesus is better than those lights. Jesus would be very good, perfect, like whatever word you could like put on top of that. That's what Jesus is this morning, as the light of the world. Again, we, we think of our, our natural experience with, with light. Darkness is no match for light. It's, it's almost a no-brainer to say that. We just know that intuitively. It's impossible for light to be overcome by darkness. It's because it's reality that we rarely ever see what true darkness is. You think about where we live, you know, it, it, well, I don't know where you live, but where I live, inside of 285 in Atlanta, you don't get to see the stars much because there's, there's all this light pollution. And so there's light all around us. And what's, what's interesting about that is that can actually be deceiving. We live amongst light, and so we think we're walking in the light. All the while, internally, we're walking in darkness. We're walking in the sinfulness of, of our hearts. And there's, there's a reason, there's another reason I think we, we see in this passage that, that the light of Christ can't be defeated, and it's found in verse, in verse 30. A very short verse, and it may not really catch your, your attention. It says that while Jesus was saying these things, many believed in him. That's amazing. In this, in this temple, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees sought to turn off the lights, and all the while, God was turning on the light in people's hearts. This is what God has done for us this morning. In 2 Corinthians 4, and six, we see that it says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The text says, Many believed. I, I just, to me, it just sticks out to me. I, I don't know if it's just me, but sometimes I feel like we talk about the kingdom of God, and there's these two people here, and these three people here. We talk about it as if God's power isn't strong enough to save a lot of people. The text said that many were saved, many believed. Like that, that's, I mean, that's just worth rejoicing this morning. This is the evidence that no Pharisee, not even Satan himself, can turn out the light of Christ. And so God would use the, the, the sinfulness and the darkness of the hearts of these Pharisees to actually turn on the light in the hearts of those that were in the temple. And so that, this morning, that should encourage you to share the light of Christ. You know the song, let your light shine. Whether it's a little light or a big light, let your light shine. Let the light of Christ shine that's been shown into your hearts. 
his light works. He's, he's, he's got the biggest light. He's got the furthest reach. Our sermon series is entitled The Joy of Knowing Jesus. The joy we have is that his light will never go out. Jesus, he doesn't need recharging. He doesn't need batteries. You don't have to get booster cables to, to, to jumpstart him. His light continuously shines. Let's pray.